Yo, what's up? Dr. Swole here, MD bodybuilder, back with another episode on Swole Radio. Today I'm joined by Jim Wendler, who is the creator of 531, which is probably one of the most popular programs ever. And actually one of the ones that I initially stumbled upon when I was first getting into lifting. And I think that a lot of people kind of go through this phase, especially nowadays with the internet, where you, you know, start squat bench and deadlifting and uh you you know go on this deep dive in the internet and you start looking at programs and i think this is one of the ones that a lot of people come across so yeah it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show thank you for having me bill i appreciate it Mm -hmm. so today's yeah today's gonna be a value-packed episode we're gonna chat a little bit about 531 we'll start off with a brief overview and this discussion will be more focused on use of 531 for hypertrophy and related sort of programming strategies. So we'll talk about some modifications people can make to the program and some other related concepts like top set back off programming and auto-regulation. So yeah, I was thinking just as a quick overview, maybe Jim, if you could just introduce 531 and broad strokes and any recent updates to the program. Uh, It is a, uh, geez, it's been, uh, of 12 years when I wrote it and 14 years since I first developed it. The best way to describe it is a very, very simple, if, if you have general math skills, uh, strength program uh, that uses submaximal weights um, and uh, <clears throat> allows you to make a good linear progress over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, in the when I first wrote the uh, when I wrote the first book, I wrote everything else, and then I went back and <clears throat> wrote the introduction. And after I took a step back, now remember, at this point, I had been training since 1988, 87. Mm-hmm. That book was written in 2010, so whatever that is, uh, 25 years or something, or 20, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was a culmination of like everything uh, that I had learned. But what's crazy is I really wanted to develop this. I remember uh, I was, my parents were driving me to the airport to college. And I remember I had all this, you know, I wasn't talking to my parents. I had all this, these uh, papers and notes I had. I was trying to figure out how to program this stuff and how to understand it. So it took a long time. The point being is we, after when I wrote that introduction, uh, I realized that there's uh, principles that everything's based on that as long as you follow these, it doesn't really matter what you do so much as long as you follow these. And I'm, uh, there's a lot more to this, but uh, we believe in uh, starting very light. So starting a little lighter than what you can do. Mm-hmm. We progress fairly slowly. Uh, we use compound exercises. So th- that should make up the base of your workout. That doesn't mean assistance and stuff is not important, but that's what we really want. Um, we want to progress or uh, <clears throat> we want to track personal records, uh, which I think is incredibly motivating. And I can go on that in detail with uh, training my 10 uh, year old, how important that is for his mental and uh, just his enthusiasm in the weight room. Mm-hmm. And uh, we finally added uh, balance. Uh, and that means not so much balance like biceps and then triceps. That means your training system or whatever you're doing should have at least some kind of strength training, some kind of mobility and flexibility and some type of conditioning or cardiovascular. Now, obviously if you're an athlete, you'll have agility and speed training and all this other stuff, but whether you're a, you know, a professional football player, you're going to have those three things in there. Whether you're just a, an average lifter, you should have those three things in there problem is not a lot of people devote too much time to that stuff so uh but based on those principles um i think you'll set yourself up for success regardless of whether or not you do this program or any other program because i use those same principles doing everything else uh of different types of training it just kind of at that point in my life like uh, i realized that and it's even when i was at west side we never went uh west side barbell whenever I programmed and did all this stuff, it was always lower than what I could do. So uh, that's where we came up with the start light, progress slow and stuff like that. So, but it's mostly submaximal weights, which is perfect for young lifters. And it's really good for uh, older lifters too, or experienced lifters. So 
Uh, and as a, for anyone that <clears throat> uh, has, wants to know the validity, uh, besides myself, and I don't know, we've sold like a million books, uh, and all the, the, um, uh, testimonials we've had, uh, and I'm talking from professional football teams and to special forces guys to, uh, just average me and you guys. Um, I work with a, uh, high school football team. And we start them in junior high. My wife works with them in junior high. And this is all we do. We do very basic stuff. Mm -hmm. And we went from being a, you know, a three and seven team to making the playoffs six years in a row. We don't pass the ball, which we just run the hell out of the ball, which basically means we have to be incredibly strong and incredibly in shape. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went from being not very good to being the best way to describe it, Bill, is we've had two teams now refuse to play us. <laughs> so that's the greatest compliment I've ever had as a coach. So when no one wants to play you because you beat the shit out of people, that is a great thing. So, but anyway, as, and, and then, the, you know, you ask about, I know I'm just talking your ear off, but whatever. You, you asked me, uh, <laughs> over the years, we've <clears throat> had updates and different things, but the base remains the same. So there's all kinds of different mm -hmm. things you can do. It's kind of like having, uh, my son loves Nerf guns. And you can, or you, even if you have an AR-15, you can mod the hell out of that. So there's little things, but the gun <laughs> remains the gun. And yeah. that's the best way to describe it. So it always follows those principles. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone not familiar, I guess the basic programs is pretty much it's, it's based, it's surrounded around the four main lifts, bench, squat, overhead right. press and deadlift. And then so you, you can kind of... You can do other lifts with that, but that's what we, for the average lifter, you're going to make some fairly good gains. So yes. Okay. Yeah. And then you basically have a, it's a like three week sort of a building cycle where you go in week one, you have you three, three work sets of five. And then week two, you have three work sets of three. And then week three, you go five through one. And, and the idea is that the last set is a, like a five plus, which is sort of yes. a, an AMRAP or as many reps as possible. Many reps as you can with great form. That's mm -hmm. what we're looking for. And uh, then after that, <clears throat> I mean, there's a little, there's things that you can do after that, but uh, a lot of people just go right into their assistance work. And we have a, I finally programmed the assistance work because I got like a million questions. So I recommend, you don't have to do this, but I recommend every training day, whether you're benching or squatting or dead, whatever you're doing, we do uh, some kind of push mm. assistance. So that would, could be dumbbell work, uh, any kind of dumbbell work, push-ups, dips, some kind of pull work that would be rows, chin-ups, curls, and some kind of what I could say single leg or core. And that's, you know, abdominal work, lunges, uh, back uh, hypers and stuff. Now, obviously that's going to be, if <clears throat> your goals may be different, you can change the stuff around. So it's a, you can change whatever you want within there. But the key is start light, progress slow, use the basic exercise, let's set some PRs. And then after that, it's incredibly customizable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about this kind of programming strategy is that you just have a lot of flexibility. And yes. I think that a lot of people have used this kind of uh, approach for a lot of different, you know, applications. So, you know, for strength building, but also for hypertrophy and a lot of people in my audience are going to be interested in bodybuilding. So yeah, I wanted to ask how have the results been for bodybuilders and the, from uh, what you've seen? I don't, here's the number one, like I, I know bodybuilders and we, you know, I know we always make fun of each other, but I will say this <clears throat> talking with some of these guys who are professionals they did like Dorian Yates, right? He does, what is it? Uh, hit style training, yeah. right? And then you have Arnold Schwarzenegger who does, you know, 6,000 sets. And uh, the two things I've noticed is one or three things. One, they gave great effort in what they did, right? Dorian mm -hmm. Yates is legendary. Arnold worked his ass off. Number two, both those guys believed 1000% that they were right. Whether they were or not, doesn't really matter. Um, but that's what they believed. And that's a huge thing because I've seen guys make incredible strength gains and size gains and all that stuff, doing a lot of stupid shit, right? We're, we're not known for being the smartest group of people. You know, you go in a weight room. Um, <laughs> and finally, especially for bodybuilders, it's, you're going to have to dial in your diet. Yeah. 
And I think that's so important. So if I had to give a young guy um, one big piece, you know, obviously eat, but for training wise, for five mm -hmm. through, I would recommend I have a program called Boring But Big. It's probably mm -hmm. the most uh, popular variation. Uh, and you combine that with fairly good assistance work. And I think for the younger lifter, you will make great size gains and great <clears throat> size and strength gains. And I, I've done it. Uh, I came up with that. I swear to God, this is a true story. There's a hamburger place called Fuddruckers. And I always carried a notepad in my pocket. This mm -hmm. is when I was, and I, that's when I came up with it. And so I was eating a giant, like, you know, cheeseburger like that big. And I came up with boring, but big. <laughs> and, uh, so I really, and it's, and it's, it, the name, uh, is accurate, meaning, uh, it's boring. It's not <laughs> terribly exciting. So, but, uh, if you have, you know, I always, <clears throat> I talk to people all the time and it's amazing what you're willing to do if it results in a success. Like everyone's like, well, I need to be entertained. It's, you know, what did they say in the movie gladiator? Are you not entertained? Like, if this is what you, if this is your goal, you should be willing to do whatever the hell you want. I can't stress that enough. I know it sounds cliche, but uh, you have to be willing to do some stupid shit and some boring stuff and things you don't want to do to get where you are. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are great points. I'm a huge fan of attitude and belief. Hmm. I, I don't, I cannot stress that enough. Um, there's, I, <clears throat> I don't, never mind. I'm just, I'm going to go off. So. <laughs> Yeah, so for anyone not familiar, basically, I think, as I recall, boring but big is where you you hit your main lift, and then on your assistance work, you will do you know, for example, five sets of ten, or you basically get in some volume. And I actually yeah. kind of like that approach, where especially for someone, for example, who wants to work on strength and size, where they kind of want a little bit of this conjugate approach, where you can you can still get in that specificity of hitting your main lift, so you can still hit your say competition style squat, but then you can get in a lot of volume doing maybe lower fatigue movements like your uh, assistance exercises and getting your yeah. volume that way. So as an example, <clears throat> uh, for boring but big, you do your, your workup, you try to hit, uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it, but just mm -hmm. go up to your top set. After that, you go down to your first work set of the day, or you can go lower, and we do five sets of 10 uh, at that weight. Now, generally, we want to get it done in a shorter amount of time. We want to decrease the rest periods. Um, but the way I always looked at it when I was training was when I was benching or deadlifting that top set, that was a pure strength set. It mm -hmm. was grinded out, you know, just be a savage. And then when I did the down sets, that was <clears throat> more of a muscle set. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care so much about the weight I was lifting. I was cared more about, um, you know, just getting big, so to speak. So the first part of the movement, the top set and stuff are what I call movement exercises. And then the supplemental and assistance work are muscle exercises. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this, uh, just from uh, my work with the kids at the high school, 99% of what we do is we just want to build muscle. These kids are yeah. young, they're untrained. They don't have the physical education background anymore that uh, you know we had 20, 30 years ago. It's mm -hmm. a huge, that is probably the biggest eye opener I've ever seen knowing what we did in uh, physical education and how we were, and I'm not like an old fuddy-duddy, that's just the reality. Uh, so we have to do a lot of that muscle building and we have to do, and some of your readers may need this, you gotta build some kind of fitness base other outside of weightlifting. It is so lacking in today. And I'm, you know, that includes calisthenics and kind of running and just being, I don't know, I, a kid mixed with being um, uh, a soldier, like basic training stuff. It is huge for, uh, and the kids get better. And it sounds dumb doing four count burpees or jumping jacks or mountain climbers, but we, we do a ton of that stuff and it has paid off in spades, not just on the field, but in the weight room. Uh, mm. You have to, you can't do calculus until you do algebra. And everyone's trying to jump to calculus in the weight room before they've, you know, before they even know the numbers. So yeah. <laughs> it is a, uh, I'm not saying everyone's like that, but the majority of people that I coach are like that. And that's just, and these kids are athletes. 
it's not like they didn't do anything. So with the average person who maybe wasn't involved in athletics, I think it's a massive thing. Now it's not very sexy, right? You don't see Jay Cutler. God, I'm so out of touch. Jay Cutler's still <laughs> um, the bodybuilder I reference. Mm. Um, but it's, it's important to have a variety of skills, physical skills before you specialize. There you go. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. It's a foundational concept, basically, yeah. and train development, periodization, and all that. And I think, yeah, whenever I get, whenever I get questions from kids who are in high school asking, you know, oh, I want to get big, I want to be a bodybuilder, what should I do? I, like at this point, when say I'm like 14, I I usually tell them get get into a sport. You know, I think yeah. that building those movement patterns and that intelligence with your body is a really important start. And, and, and sports teach you so much about, you know, discipline and work discipline, ethic and all that. Work, yeah. I was telling my wife yesterday, actually, I'm like, it's so funny because if I had my old coaches training me, I would be so much more out of breath than I am. I just, it's like a self survival skill. I'm like, I'm still working hard, but I'm like, it doesn't, even compare to being coached in sport and the other thing is you learn how to be competitive and if you want to get bigger and stronger you have to be competitive under the weights you can't take no for an answer and you know i'm saying like you have to get in that mindset where it's do or die and uh, especially if you don't have great genetics i've learned that too i mean that's let's just be honest genetics make the make a huge difference no yeah. one wants to talk about that but you and i can do all the basketball drills we want we're not going to be lebron james so uh but that don't discourage it just be the best you can be don't worry about where everyone else is so mm -hmm. yeah i remember this time when this this i used to run track for uh for my university and there was this i mean, it was the one race, specific what, night what race were you i ran 400 meter hurdles oh my yeah, god <laughs> for people that don't know a 400 meters race is the worst effing race yeah, in the it world is. It's a it long is. now you start adding in hurdles which did you carry a shot put too just to, <laughs> to cover I yourself waited, waited Oh, I remember specifically there was this one time it was like in the middle of August this hot summer day and uh our coach put us through this killer workout and there were like three people lined up on the side all puking at once and it was just it was just this very like surreal moment because it was just it was normal for us like I yeah. remember literally walking past him just be like hey man you are you good and he was like yeah. puking just like gives a thumbs up yeah I'm good I'm like okay good just like walk by just casual but um like after you go through that kind of stuff you realize that you know when people complain about five sets of squats or something it, it really yeah. isn't that bad on no. the grand scale of things i watched uh the uh ranger selection stuff and some guy puked and didn't want anyone to see it so he put it in his pocket <laughs> oh my God. that's what you are man <laughs> put puke in your pocket kid <laughs> keeping it clean and, but i mean that's a great example of how important it is to be uh to try a sport even if you're not good at it uh you will besides the physical things socially for kids it is a huge thing that will be your core group of friends most of the time uh and you'll as long and i was we have plenty of kids on our team that aren't, aren't going to play very much but they're part of a fraternity that that their uh their work is <clears throat> is uh important and they, they are part of something. And I think that's, especially for young men, I think it's a huge, huge thing to be part of a small mm. group of people that rely on each other. And I think we are lacking that uh, as a whole. And it's, you know, do you know, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Hold on one second. His name is, uh, I have the book somewhere here. Oh, Sebastian Younger. Okay. I don't know. He, he's been on Joe Rogan a few times. That's the only reason why I know. He wrote a book called War. And he had a great presentation on like a TED Talk. And he said, you know, war is bad, blah, 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 blah. But the real question we have to be asking is, why do young men continually sign up to go to war? Like no matter where you are in this world, young men love to go to war. And his big takeaway as he was embedded with troops for years to, or for like two years or something. Uh, <clears throat> it was that intense understanding and uh, that they were relied on each other and they were important. Even if your job was to bring water to your buddies, you know, while they're getting shelled, your job was important. 
And I, <clears throat> for young men, I think we are lacking that a lot of the times. Um, everything kind of, we live in our little pods, you know? Yeah. So you have a family, you don't really have a pod, uh, you know, other than yourself. And I think you need to feel important. And that's a, we talk about building self-esteem, but part of building self-esteem is getting low self-esteem as you get there, you know, working your ass off, having horrible things, you know, to have to overcome. I don't mean like having AIDS or something, but, you know, having uh, trials and tribulations, overcoming them. So I can't just tell you all the whole day, like you're smart and you're sexy and you're good looking that's fake self-esteem like that work especially in that group will give you a sense of purpose and stuff so there you go yeah men need tribes right and yeah. i think yeah it's yeah. definitely something especially in bodybuilding as well or sports where it, it can be very you know individual or oh, yeah. people people isolate themselves and i think i think it's a great thing to connect with other people at your gym and have yes. that community yes and even if you're choose to bodybuild alone find something else to be have your group with and uh you know i was telling someone when i started coaching again it was awesome because i'm part of something now i'm part of it and we i live in a very small town so everyone kind of relies on everyone for different things and everyone contributes it's not just throw tax dollars it's like well let's you know we need food well i'll make the fucking food you know you need photographs of the kids well i'll volunteer so everyone has not everyone but as a, in a small town, you kind of have that feeling where, you know, what you do is important, even if it's not curing cancer. So mm -hmm. there you yeah, go. wise words. So yeah, I come bringing it back to the programming. Yeah. The, um, so we were, yeah, we were talking about boring, but big, basically, and I just want to ask a couple little questions about that. So in terms of the base program of 531, would you make any modifications if you're programming someone for hypertrophy? Uh, I would the i don't know if the program would change much yeah other than if i work with someone personally and then you start to see little things that they need that's a whole other thing i think mm -hmm. how you do the exercises is as important as an example you go into a normal gym and uh you know you see a kid bench pressing it's <gasps> Right, they got the strongest sternums oh, ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it usually takes a couple years because I harp on this all the time. When you're, you know, we want the the control on the on the descent, total tightness, and then we want to punch hard. Mm. Same thing with the squat and deadlift, and it takes time to get there. It's like when someone does chin ups, and you're like, use your lats. It's like, well, I don't have any lats. Let's just get my chin over the bar for right now. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like when you do lat pull, only use your lats. Well, the kid has no lats. He's got no biceps. He just needs to do the movement. And what I found out is <clears throat> that is probably a little more important than I think people realize. And especially for hypertrophy, it's very simple. You're just bashing the shit out of the muscle, right? And then you're recovering. And uh, I think a lot of times young people don't do the exercises correctly and they don't recover correctly. Mm. You know, the best example was the late John Meadows. I don't know if you're familiar with John yep. Meadows, but uh, on the show earlier. Okay. Yeah. John, I've known John uh, for a while. We, we weren't like great friends or something, but he lives in Ohio. He trains with Dave Tate and I know Dave and we, you know, we do seminars together and his, his ideas, you know, you can only, grow as much as you recover and he talks about digging a hole where every time you train you dig a hole and you stand in it and then you got to fill it back in if that the next time you train it should be almost level again if mm. you keep on digging and i use you know we climb in a ladder just one rung a day you know and one bad workout one night out doing stuff you're going to fall a couple rungs down so i think the big modification would be <clears throat> to uh make sure you choose exercises you can actually do uh, and that's an individual thing, meaning if you're, we have kids sometimes who, for whatever physical reason, they don't squat very well. So we modify everything around that. And I think that's super important. Now, is, is it, do I think squats and deadlifts and they're, yeah, I think they're super important. They've stood, they stood the test of time. However, don't be afraid to look elsewhere if for whatever reason you can't do that. But again, do those exercises with purpose. Don't just, you know, I got to do a, a million reps of curls. Well, do them right. You know, how many times have you seen curls? I'm going to stand up like they just do this. They're, they're, they never yeah. extend their arms. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, you're just, it's a static hold. You're just kind of doing like a weird upright <laughs> sit up. <laughs> you know, so doing those extra, you know, sizes correctly. And I think for a younger lifter, even 
especially younger lifters who want to get bigger, you're going to have to get stronger at some point. Mm -hmm. They work hand in hand. And I always tell the kids, the bigger the muscle, the stronger the muscle. Now, that doesn't mean Ronnie Coleman's going to go run a, uh, you know, a 9, 8, 40, uh, 100, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have uh, chicken wings sticking out of your back, and you got like a concave chest, we need to get put some muscle on you before we worry about anything else. And 99 times out of 100, they always get stronger as long as they're eating. It's just, uh, it's a, they both need to work hand in hand. That doesn't mean you have to squat 800 pounds. But if you squat, for example, 95 for five reps, let's get that up to 135 for 10 and do it with correct form. So mm -hmm. I think both those things work hand in hand. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so train hard, but you got, can only train as hard as you can recover too. Now, obviously the younger you are, you, you remember the good old days, right? When you could kind of go out night drinking and then train the next day. And, and uh, but even then, because of the lack of physical preparation that a lot of people have these days, their training, the base of their training pyramid is not as big as it used to be. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have six years of intense PE and playing sports, your base of your pyramid is not going to be as big. And uh, so um, you need to account for that and make sure you're doing the appropriate amount of work for your general, your physical preparation at that time. Mm -hmm. Never get kind of, uh, and this honestly, it's hard to do because you need a coach kind of for that, <laughs> you know? Uh, but you should at least educate, educate yourself a little bit on that too. So mm -hmm. this is a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. As an example, let's say someone is 400 pounds and they've done very little throughout their life. You're not going to be out doing 500 bodyweight squats and pushing a prowler or a sled for two miles. Like that's mm -hmm. not where they are. They needed to do what they're capable of at that point and then push it, you know, one little step further. There you go. There we go. Yeah, no. Yeah, well said. Uh, and in terms of the sort of top set back off approach, I think this is something I want to dig in a little bit more about because I get asked about it often. Mm -hmm. Where uh, you yeah, you mentioned, for example, with your like hypertrophy style training, you'll hit your top set, say on squats, and then you'll take off some weight and then do some more volume. Yes. Uh, in terms of programming those back off sets, how do you like to go about it in terms of like percentage, uh, like, like RPE? Okay you know that all right this is easy yeah uh for, so <clears throat> i'll give you an example on uh the uh three sets of three week our first work set is at 70 percent our mm -hmm. second is at 80 percent and our final is at 90 percent mm -hmm. of our what we call our training max okay <clears throat> those back off sets are usually to make things super easy we back down to the first set which is 70 percent okay okay so now you have a cut. If, if you choose to do this again, it's, you don't have to, if you choose to do this, you could do the five sets of 10 there at that 70% or mm -hmm. we do, I uh, got this from Dante Trudell, you know, DC training. Mm. We, we do one all out Widowmaker set. Mm. Now here's the thing is generally speaking for each lift, if you can't get, let's say uh, on the squat, seven 15 reps on that final set we know mm -hmm. the weights you're handling are probably too heavy so we back off to make sure that the weights are uh are perfect mm. so i think one of the big things i've seen uh as far as this program is people <clears throat> overestimate their strength i'd rather mm -hmm. have a person start much lighter than where they are because yeah. they'll make progress for a longer period of time and it always works as an example our kids, uh, our average deadlift from freshman to senior is always around four, 415 to 450 pounds. Very few kids ever handle anything around the 300 pound mark, but we're able, once we test, we're all around that mark. Uh, so generally speaking, our kids train with light, with weights that are like around 50 to 60%. We just do them in such a way that elicits a great amount of strength gain without burning the shit out of you. As an example, uh, most of our kids deadlifts when they, we do work sets are always maybe between 250 and 295. we got kids obviously a little heavier, but <clears throat> when it comes to testing, they're able to smoke 450 or uh, we had a kid 
oh, they left 585 for six or five reps, which is insane. His top work set during that time was 465. Mm. So that <clears throat> that's why it's important to uh, how you do the lift and the with the submaximal weights, we're able to train for a long period of time without interruption, uh, without burning ourselves out. Okay, so mm -hmm. as the simplest example is, let's say on Monday you do, I don't know, work up to 315, ball bust and set of 10, then you do a 10 sets of 10 of that, superset of a 10 sets of 10 on leg curl. You come back Tuesday, you're not gonna be able to do much. Even if you're doing upper body work, for example, mm -hmm. most people are just physically exhausted. So I'd rather train optimally, we call it, than train maximally all the time. Because once you burn yourself out, like you dig that hole, it, <clears throat> you're gonna, the rest of the week's gonna suffer. But we take a year kind of approach to that where we, we're gonna train hard, but we're not gonna kill ourselves. And we're able to train, you know, we train 50 weeks out of the year at London High School. We take two weeks off. Mm. And we train right through the season. We, we're hitting heavy, heavy weights <laughs> for those kids. Mm -hmm. um, but by doing that, you're never <clears throat> training more than you rec can recover. So there you go. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I'm, I hope I'm making some sense here. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. And in terms of the uh, back offsets, what kind of rep ranges will you be going for? Uh, well, it depends uh, if we're going for, uh, or yeah, say for hypertrophy for hypertrophy, we're probably looking at, sets of 10 to 20 and it depends if we're doing five sets there we're looking at sets of 10 if we're looking at one set or two sets we're going for higher reps i see generally speaking 25 total reps at that first work set when we back down is more for speed and strength 50 or more is for hypertrophy that's kind of how we we divvy it up mm. okay um but again if you take a set uh, and do a perfect, I tell the kids, I'd rather see five great, perfect reps than 10 sloppy, shitty reps. And I think that's super important to understand too. I mean, let's say we did a yeah. set of five with you know, whatever, 225, and we're just, everything is nice and controlled punch rather than just doing this. We're still going to get something out of those five reps, even if it doesn't fall within the, you know, the, <clears throat> what the gods of hypertrophy have stated, you know, eight to 12, you know. And the other thing too, is I think people need to expand their ideas that you can go over 12 reps. You do a set of squats for 50 reps, you know, or leg press or something like that, that with a challenging weight, your legs are going to get bigger. It's going to suck. You have yeah. to work yourself up to that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and it goes for just a lot of stuff. So that's when you really start opening your mind of what you're physically and mentally or can uh, do. It really is crazy. It's nuts. The problem is you gotta, you can't just jump in. It's like, you're not gonna jump into a war, you know, with the Navy SEALs or something like without being trained, you have to work towards that. So it's the same thing in the weight room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have this luxury, you know, and especially for bodybuilders where we can do a lot in terms of, you know, rep ranges and we can get away with a lot and still build muscle. Yes. In, in terms of the sort of top set back off approach, um, how would you, would like, would you ever use this for accessory lifts? You know, like say a heavy row or pressing, uh, like presses. Well, most of the time, those back off sets are with the same lift that you did that day. Yeah. All right. So on squat day, your back off sets would be squat. Now you can do, I've, <clears throat> if I do like a, I had a hard time uh programming rows because what ends up happening is you start cheating too much to get the mm. weights the reps and i've always that's i've tried it probably three or four different times on the bent over row what i would do though is let's say you're bench pressing that day mm -hmm. and you do your back off sets on the bench press what we generally do is we will pair that with an antagonistic exercise so on the days you bench you're doing rows in between your back off sets so now we've I like the idea of uh, restricting uh, rest times to get bigger and stronger. Mm. I should say to get bigger. I think that's super important. And uh, it's, <clears throat> it makes your training much more efficient. And we've even gotten to the point where whenever we squat, bench, or press, no matter what, you're doing chin-ups in between every single exercise. 
So we may accumulate a hundred chin-ups during that time. Mm. And I, uh, with the, sometimes with the squat and deadlift, we'll do tons of dips, weighted dips mm. or weighted push-ups or something like that, or even just body weight stuff. Um, and I, <clears throat> for our kids, that seems to work incredibly well, incredibly well. Um, now, again, they're not training for aesthetic reasons, but they are trying to get put on muscle mass. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that's great, especially for people who are short on time where like, yeah, I think well, super setting, yeah, super no. setting things is a great way to fit in more training volume without, uh, compromising necessarily like your performance. Yeah. What we'll do generally, we'll follow the same basic rep scheme, for example, on the row, but I'd rather see you use an appropriate weight that's maybe not so much programmed as the, the main lifts. Um, again, that's just the, especially the row, it starts turning into like a weird power clean up to your belly, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so anyway, and even, you know, we've, uh, I can go on and on. I always, we talk about building the base. I still think it's super important that people still do push-ups, chin-ups, uh, and pull-ups and dips. Uh, that's a very basic exercise that can yield a tremendous return uh, for your strength and size gains. I mean, I, you see a guy doing a chin up with a hundred pounds, he's got pretty, fairly big arms. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's pretty, is it whatever this one? I never, I don't know. What is this pull up and that's chin up? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We, we just change our grip all the time. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. I never understood that. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, no, I think it's great that, yeah, like people should really focus on mastering the basic compound movements and, uh, those are still what's going to activate the most amount of muscle mass. Even, yeah. even if someone's just focused on aesthetics, I, I still will recommend people, you know, yeah, do weighted chin-ups and all the main basics to really put on muscle before you start going to the fancy, you know, chest supported rows and little cable things yeah. and one arm things. Now that, those things are fine, but you got to put the big rocks in your glass before you add all the little pebbles. So mm -hmm. uh, I did an experiment two years ago uh, where I, I joined, a, I have my own gym in my uh, garage and I just <clears throat> went over to the, uh, the local gym here and did all machines for like uh, two months. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was fun, uh, but it just didn't seem to, and, I, and I'm not one of those machines are bad guys. I just was surprised at how little I got out of it. And I don't know if I was doing stuff wrong. I was training his heart, like every, I just trained as hard as I could. And it just was weird. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not, can be an important part, especially if you're an older lifter and you can't do certain things uh, or uh, even a younger lifter, but that doesn't, shouldn't make up, should not make up the bulk of your training. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a uh, related question, do you ever use like reverse pyramid sets, you know, kind of as the sets go, those back offsets go on, you continue dropping weight and, or. Yeah, we have something where, for example, I think this is what you're talking about. We'll do, for example, 70%, 80%, 90% back down to 80. And we'll do not exactly a, an insane step, but we'll go for as many as we can with good form. Uh, but obviously going to be a little tired. Then we'll go back down to 70%. And if you feel like got something left, we'll back it down to even 60%. Uh, it's, we, I don't know what I called it. I named it something like probably reverse pyramid or something, but yeah, that's fine. The key is, are you making good progress on the, that main set? That's what mm. we're looking for. After that, it's like a big giant bowl of vanilla ice cream. Now we can start adding in whatever you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the other thing is the, uh, what do you want to do? What's going to get you excited to go in the weight room and kick mm. some ass? Yeah. As long as you have that base of, you know, let's just try and get a little bit stronger on those basic movements, man, you can do whatever the hell you want. As long as you keep that, the, the, uh, the, the uh, how do I do, how do we keep the goal, the goal. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I really like about, you know, having a structured program, especially for beginners, like even, even for people purely interested in aesthetics and hypertrophy, I do like, first of all, as you mentioned a little while earlier, as a beginner, you can really build strength and size simultaneously. And a lot of the training that goes into strength will build like hypertrophy in a, in a great way, especially for someone who's sensitive to training. But uh, even from the sort of psychological aspect of it, having a structured program, especially like, for example, something like 531 or uh, just something to get you started gives you 
gives you a structure to follow and it gives you something to look forward to, which I think is really well, motivating. Yeah, for a young lifter, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And so it's, it's always nice if someone just gives you a sheet of paper and tells you not just, like for example, you see uh, workouts that say squat three sets of 10. What does that mean? Do I pyramid up? Is it the same weight? How hard is that three sets of 10? Mm. You give the beginner like, listen, this is all you get. This is what you got to do. It's awesome to go in the weight room with like a specific plan, yeah. especially for a beginner, because that day they're going to, let's say like, I got a squat today. And then all of a sudden they see their buddies doing hack squats and leg extensions. They go over and do that where you have a specific plan. And I have everything uh, printed out on like Excel spreadsheets. Mm. I can look two days in advance and like, holy shit, look at this set on bench press. I can start mentally prepping for that. Or I see, oh my God, this week on the press, my, my set is 225. I've never done it for eight reps. And then you start mentally prepping. Uh, and when you walk into that weight room, you have a specific goal and you have a specific purpose. Um, and not just let's, I'm going to do chest today. It's like, listen, I'm going to kick some ass at this. I have, I have a goal and I am, as a human, um, thanks to my father, massively goal oriented. I need to go in with a purpose and a direction and I need to know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I think that's super important, especially for a young lifter. Cause like, you know, we were joking before we started, young people don't, there's a reason why we don't let them vote cause they don't know how to make good decisions. <laughs> and I always tell the kids like, you can choose uh, for assistance. You can do dips or push-ups, And it's like, yeah, I'm like, it's the illusion of choice. <laughs> so uh, nice. you, know, you can do lunges or single leg squats. Oh, wow. Thanks coach. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. 10 so years I, later, they realize that's basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. Movement yeah. Pattern. Yep. Tricep pushdowns with this bar or this bar. <laughs> so, and that's, you know, it's funny. I, that was, I remember in college, someone saying how, you know, that this bar works different than the Cambridge bar. And I'm like, it's still a tricep pushdown. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not benching 600 pounds or entering the Mr. Olympia. So I think people get caught up in that stuff that we call it majoring in the minors. Like don't really worry too much. One of the greatest things I ever heard, I was at a, uh, doing a seminar in Northern California, and this was probably 15 years ago. <clears throat> and when you're, I was at Westside Barbell then, and the way we structured our workouts, for example, on bench day, we would do our main movement, then we do shoulders, uh, a lot of lat work and upper back and tricep, you know, assist, the smaller stuff, right? So, but it was always that. Hmm. And someone asked Dave and I, uh, what's the best bar to use in the lat pull down? Now we hadn't worked this out at all between Dave and I, this was just a random question. And I looked at Dave and he just nodded his head and we're like, we use whatever's on the bar. You know, if it's this grip, this, whatever, we'll just use whatever. And then someone's like, okay, fine. What if there's no bar in there? And I looked at Dave and he said, then we're not doing lat pull downs. So we're going to do, <laughs> do chest supported rows. If that thing's, the point is, is sometimes I think people get, especially younger lifters get a little carried away on some of this stuff where, especially with the assistance, important thing is just getting a good quality work and building that muscle as much as you can. And uh, once again, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, that's going to get your ass in the weight room. And I think at that point in your life, building that habit is more important than the neutral grip bar versus the wide grip cambered bar. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was auto-regulation. So I think that one of the things I like about uh, this kind of programming is, you know, having that the AMRAP set where it's basically built in, where on a good day, you'll, you'll maximize your performance on a bad day. It will still accommodate that. So there's a ca caveat to that. Mm -hmm. We base, just so everyone knows in the fire three program, every lift is based on what we call a training max. The training max is no higher than 90% of what you can do. For example, mm -hmm. If I bench press 300 in the gym, 90% of that would be 270 pounds. So our weights were based on no heavier than 270 pounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. We generally use about 80 to 85% for most of the kids because we want, it's a four, actually it's a six year process we have here. So the lighter that we start and the better form we can develop. So even when you're having a bad day, uh, you are going to be able to get at least three to five reps usually. Okay. 
if your training max is too high, there's going to be a lot of times where that final set, if it's too high, you're just going to go down and get crushed. And we do not want that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right. So on the days I feel like absolute Duke, I go in, I do the minimum reps. I do assistance that I can handle and I can go ahead and go on the days I'm kicking ass. I can really push that next set and I can really hammer the assistance, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's the caveat is you got to have a, dialed in training max. And again, it, the lighter you go within reason, the better you're going to be, especially on the bad days. And the other reason is, <clears throat> let's say, you know, you, you're up all night or something studying and you have to go in and do your press workout. If you take a dump during that workout, especially for a younger lifter, that's mentally hard to get over. If you're going to still yeah. going to hit a good five or six reps or something, even though it's not terribly heavy, you can walk away from that workout knowing that you did something. And mm -hmm. I think as a, that is super important. One of the things I do with our kids, I give them, because obviously I go in with a plan every day, but sometimes you have to call a major audible. Mm. And the most important thing I do with these kids uh, in regards to that is I always give them a chance to succeed. I want them to feel success. And as a young person, I think that's super important to build that self-esteem. We talked about building self-esteem earlier. I don't know that we were recording that at the time, uh, but I really think that's important. And uh, I don't want our kids leaving the weight room feeling like failures. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean I give them easy things to do. We challenge the shit out of these kids. Mm -hmm. If you saw some of the stuff we do, it's amazing. Like you're, it's really cool once you start working with the kids, but I don't want them leaving feeling like total failures. I think yeah. that's one thing to do. Yeah. I think that's one of the um, like most amazing things about the gym, you know, like it, it absolutely revolutionized my life. And I think the, the great thing about it is the ability to have these multiple small successes, like yes. the little success that you have every, you can, if you set up your program, right, you can be having these little successes, every workout and, yeah. you know, kind of, especially with this kind of programming strategy, which is basically, basically wave loading progression. You know, I yeah. get a lot of questions about progression schemes and I really like this kind of style, even, even for bodybuilding purposes where you kind of, you know, in week one, you're hitting a certain weight. And then the next week you increase the weight, drop the rep range a little bit. And then again, the next week, um, and then you come back to it later, basically what it allows you to do is you can make little like rep PRs, like workout PRs comparing yes. to like last month. Yep. And that way, like, even though you may not be necessarily adding weight every single week, like it is a slower form of progression, but when you compare it month to month, you're still making PRs every workout. And I yep. think that that repeated success loop is what really builds your, yeah, as you said, self-esteem. Yeah, it is. I, and I think sometimes people discount the mental side of training. As I've gotten older, I've realized how important it is. And I, because uh, I remember being, a, you know, when I first was learning how to lift, there was, you know, nothing really written on it like there is today. Nothing. I mean, you had, you're, if you're lucky, you had someone in your gym who could help you a little bit, but most people didn't have that. So I had a lot, a lot of trials and tribulations, even though I had a good coach. And uh, I just like some days, man, my, I was 10 feet tall, you know, and other days you're like, mm -hmm. uh, I'll never play football. Everyone, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to suck the rest of my life. So uh, one of the greatest stories I ever, I remember doing this is when I was at Westside, we were doing uh, a three board press. And for people that don't know that uh, it's a minimized range of motion on a bench press, you stack a, mm -hmm. uh, one, two, three, four, uh, two by sixes on your chest. You bring the bar in there. And uh, I'm trying to think, I be that day I took a, just a giant dump. I mean, the biggest dump I've ever taken in a training uh, session in a long time. And I think I missed uh, 625. And uh, I just down in the dumps, you know, just got plastered. By the time I, Westside was about 30 minutes from my house. By the time I got home, I had convinced myself I was the strongest, best bench presser ever. <laughs> Next week we come to that, I hit 725. And <clears throat> that's a giant difference. I mean, percentage wise, it's not as big. Uh, but it was that mental, that trip back to the gym and the rest of the week, I just convinced myself I was the strongest bench presser in the world. And it's amazing what you can do if you kind of get your brain ready. And uh, again, this was 17 years into training. I mean, it takes time, you know, you don't, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> even pit bulls are born puppies, you know, mm -hmm. 
know, they they still want to play with the socks and the eat your slipper. So anyway, super important. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was going to say um, that's one of the, yeah, the, the ability to have those like repeated successes and, I think it's really important, as you mentioned, to set up your programming in a way where you can still allow yourself to have those You're uh, gonna have little rep PRs. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'll tell people about how, you know, your ability to progress slows down as you become more advanced. And oh, yeah. when you're a beginner, let's say you might be able to add on like as like five or 10 pounds every workout or every every yeah. month or so. But as you become more advanced, it gets slower and slower. And especially for bodybuilding, where, for example, in like a curl going from a 45 pound curl to a 50 50 pound curl is a big difference and especially as you get you you've been training for a long time you may not get uh, those changes that often so for example for me like if i'm doing you know three sets of curls on a, on a certain day yeah. like the, the even if like the next month even if i just add one rep onto one of those sets Yep. that is still a win for me. And yes. instead you may go from, you know, lift, lift PRs on a, on one set to, to having a PR just across the entire workout, like, you yes. know, overall volume PR is the way I like yes. to call it. Yeah. It's uh, and the, the best thing is when you get older, you can really start to play around with what actually is a PR as an example. Yeah. Uh, when I was at West side, Louie was uh, doing the two board with us. And what I think hit, you know, 455. He said, that's a PR. It's like, Lou, last week you did 475. He's like, yeah, but my hands were an inch in. <laughs> and so he always, it was amazing. And it's, you know, that was like the gift of like uh, experience and age. Like he knew he was going to take a dump. So he's like, I'm just going to bring my hands in a little bit. And so that's, that's a close grip PR. <laughs> it was like, right, good for you, man. That's awesome. Brother. Hell yeah. For those that don't know, Louis Simmons is the owner of West Side Barbell. So uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, you start getting a little more creative. I When I uh, was doing Boring But Big, I think three years ago, I would do a little variation of it. I gave myself 20 minutes and you had to get 50 reps with whatever weight you can. So I call it the Malcolm X method, mm. any way you can, you know, by any means necessary. So we, I tried <clears throat> Boring But Big is five sets of 10. Mm -hmm. that's 50 total reps. So I had to do 50 total reps, uh, with, you know, with whatever weight in 20 minutes. And I started off fairly light as long as I hit it. And I just had a 50 rep in 20 minute PR. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. Like I, I wasn't going to squat a thousand again, but I can do a better 50 rep, you know, not 50, you know, saying 50 total reps. So, um, we do uh, 10 minute PRs. You do as many reps as you can in 10 minutes. Uh, we do that with a lot of body weight stuff, for example. So, it's, you know, my chin-ups may not, you know, maybe only get to 20 chin-ups, but I can do, I did 44 chin-ups with 45 pounds in 10 minutes. And, uh, so it's just, you, you start being a little more, uh, creative in your, uh, what's a PR. So I'll never, you know, there's a famous deadlifter, powerlifter named Andy Bolton. And I, I saw him, the first guy to deadlift over a thousand pounds in a meet. He did a thousand three. It mm. took him, I think, three years to go to a thousand eight. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I remember some kid was like, how can you only go five pounds? I'm like, dude, <laughs> a lot of weight. You haven't even lifted a thousand pounds in a workout yet. <laughs> so, uh, but that, you know, I remember uh, uh, the owner of Elite uh, FTS is Dave Tate. And it took him like seven years to go from 585 to 600 in the bench press. It just takes time. Uh, but it's important that within those times, you mentally, you set your tricep push down PR for as many as you can get in 10, you know, whatever, stupid shit like that. I just, yeah, no, I like that actually. Like thinking, thinking about things in like your total rep count across the workout where yes. you like, instead of, instead of just focusing on a single set where, yeah, like you realize that your total volume is really how, how much you did across the whole workout. So as long as you keep track and as long as that is slowly improving over time. Yeah. And that was the other thing where I think it's one of the values of keeping track of your numbers, like over the years, oh, I don't even having a log book. That's the best training book you'll ever buy is what your training book. It is super, super important. And I, yeah. I tell that to people all the time and I get, I couldn't be the, the dumbest man alive. 
Nice. People always ask me, what's the best training book? Your training logs. If you keep fairly, and it doesn't always have to be insanely detailed. For example, when I was powerlifting, we would just keep track of the, the main work. And then I would just write, you know, lap pulls, 80 reps, you know, whatever. Just, But on everything else, we kept records on, you know, probably 30 different exercises. And uh, if you're feeling crappy, you're like, well, time to set a dumbbell incline PR. <laughs> you know or mm -hmm. it's just most ridiculous stuff and uh like doing the louis method he's like i do push-ups here i'm gonna there we go <laughs> anything i do over two is <laughs> so uh but yeah that that training log and it's the best thing is if you keep a good training log and you for 10 years you can go back and look and first of all you're gonna it's awesome to look back at what you did and it's also gonna be great like jesus christ stupid and yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> If you hit a wall, there's so much training knowledge in there that you can take out. Like, oh my God, I don't remember doing this. Maybe this is why my squat got so good or why I felt so good. And it's going to, it leaves a ton of clues for you because you, you're never going to remember everything. So, um, but I had an old, I found an old training log from uh, 2000 and two, no, 2000 or 2001. It was, I think it was pre 9-11. That's how I, you know. And uh, it was horrible. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I wonder why I didn't make much progress that year <laughs> or whatever. I don't remember, but it was pretty embarrassing, but I think it's super important. And uh, yeah, boy, I'm glad you brought that up. That drives yeah. me That drives yeah. me Yeah, you, you, you definitely learn a lot looking back and seeing all the holes in your programming and uh, yeah. what's worked. And then, yeah, and, then, and seeing progress from year to year, even like, yep. especially when you become more advanced you 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 may only get progress year to year in, in certain uh, yeah lifts and you know even as a beginner i think it's important to understand that progress is progress if it's five pounds or two pounds or ten whatever it is it may not go up 50 pounds like your buddy down the street you know but it's mm -hmm. progress is still progress and the most important thing whether it's lifting or life is that you're moving forward in some direction you know and I think that's important for beginners to understand. Don't get frustrated because we've all been there. It took me, I always love to tell from, to go, uh, it took me seven years to bench, go from my bench from 300 to 400, seven years. Now, granted, I was playing football. I went through basic training. I you know, went through a lot of different physical things. <clears throat> it took me two and a half months to go from 400 to 450 and another month to hit 455. It's crazy, right? Yeah. So in four months, I put on 55 pounds on my bench press. And it, what it what I always feel like all that seven years, it was like built up. It's like a dam ready to break. And it said, fuck it, here you go. Here's all that, you know that work you done? I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, uh, give you some love here. Uh, so I, I think that's important. Don't get frustrated. You can get frustrated, but don't quit. There we go. That's the mm -hmm. best thing to say. And, uh, you know, the other thing is I know this, especially for younger guys, I've been there like, having a good day or bad day uh, shouldn't, it's not your reflection of you as a person. Mm. It doesn't, you know, because you, you missed your squad or you missed, you know, had a shitty day. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. I know that sounds ridiculous. Like say it out loud, but I know how it goes. You tie a lot of your self-esteem and your worth to what you do in the weight room. And I think yeah. it's important. You know, there's other things in the world um, that are, just, you know what I'm saying? It's important. Hard to imagine, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, besides squatting, but <laughs> benching. <laughs> yeah, I think that's as for younger lifters. Uh, I think that's important to understand. So, there mm -hmm. you go. Yeah, that's great, and yeah, I think this has been really valuable discussion. And maybe just to wrap it up, one yes, fun thing would be: Do you have any tips for training longevity and long-term success? All right. Well, I've been. Uh, I started training when I was thirteen. And I'm 46. I don't know what the math is, but it's been a long time. I've had, for those that don't know, uh, my initial training was done to play football. That was my big thing. I ended up mm -hmm. playing college football at the University of Arizona. For me, I did very well. The only reason why I ever made it a step on that field, because I'm not horribly talented, was I was in physically stronger and better shape. That's the only reason. So I, so much of what I did was involved doing that. After that, I went and powerlifted. I trained at Westside Barbell for a couple years. 
for me, I thought I did very well. I squatted a thousand, benched 675 and pulled 705. Hmm. The point being is uh, I've had some great highs. I mean, I got to experience, I've always wanted to squat a thousand and play college football. Those are the two things I want to do. And I did them. Um, and I can look back and I can, and, I, and this is not just me. This is everyone. Every one of my friends is involved in training some way. That's my life. I can say without a doubt for training longevity, don't neglect your flexibility and mobility. Mm. Do not neglect it. It only takes 10 minutes a day. Do some, you, everyone's got uh, YouTube, just put on a yoga thing and do yoga. If you don't know what to do or put on a beginner flexibility thing, uh, do some mobility work, anything like that. Start when you don't need it because you're, it's going to catch up and it's going to catch up horribly. And I mean, I got, I can tell you some insane stories of what happens to guys when they don't do that. It is horrifying how beat up they are. They can't do simple things. Number two, and this is super important. One of, <clears throat> is do some type of, doesn't have to be hard, just conditioning hmm. 20 minutes, four times, five times a week, go for a walk, ride a bike, whatever it is. Um, just maintaining a base level of aerobic strength. You don't have to be a marathon runner. Uh, whatever you want to do, it doesn't really matter what you do with that. It just matters that you do something. Same thing with the flexibility. I don't care if you want to do Pilates, yoga, or just have someone rip out your hamstring. You know, <laughs> if that's what you want to do, just do it. Um, so those two things I think are huge. Every one of my friends, uh, we've neglected that in some way. Uh, and it has all come back to bite us in the ass. Uh, tenfold okay mm -hmm. 10 minutes a day you can never make that up you yeah. know 30 years later you're not going to make that up it's just uh so i think those two things and the other thing is uh starting light and progressing slow and that's mm -hmm. very hard for a young kid to you know i want to bench 400 now i want to do this the <clears throat> the longer your gestation period the better the results are going to be over the long term and the thing is, it's like five years. That's insane. I'm like, dude, five years, <laughs> you know, it's nothing. Yeah. Let's, let's extend that period a little bit. Let's get you stronger in like the smaller muscles. Let's make sure your lats are stronger. Let's make sure your low back and abs are conditioned and perfect before we start going crazy. And uh, I did a fairly good job of that. I think I obviously screwed some of that up too uh, with the starting light and progressing slow. That was taught to me in my sophomore year of high school. And I embraced it, but I didn't always live it, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think those uh, three things for training longevity would be huge. And uh, obviously diet, you know, and all that stuff is important. But uh, just from like a physical thing, uh, training standpoint, I think those three things would be huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really wise words, I think. <laughs> Like when you're, when you're 18, you, you're thinking like, all you can think of is then like being your best in your best physique in the yeah. next six months. Right. right? But it's like, yeah. it's more like, no man, like think what, what's going to matter is what you look like when you're 30, right? Like yep. this is a long journey and you've got so much time to really set things up. Right. And what ends up happening, and I know this sounds crazy, but when you take the smart, slow road, you will make progress quicker than you ever thought possible because you're not bashing the shit out of yourself all the time. And uh, one of the things like uh, I do a ton of, I do mostly weight vest training now. Hmm. Uh, I had my spine, I had a lot of stupid shit happen to me. My spine's fused, my shoulder's horrible. Uh, but <clears throat> with the training longevity, and I, some of my friends really held on way too long. You know, they're still trying to squat 800 pounds. Yeah. Like, dude, your body's just reject, you know, the reason why you're hurt, you can't do it anymore. So I think it's, un it's understanding with this longevity in mind that your body's going to tell you what you can and can't do. Fucking listen, listen mm -hmm. to it and embrace it and be okay. It's all right. And uh, it's funny because now with some of the stuff I do, it's harder than the lifting weights. It sucks. You try doing 500 squats with vest on. It sucks, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so it's okay. You know, as long as you're, again, remember we talk about flexibility and conditioning, as long as you're doing something, you're going to be better off than nothing. So mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah, that's been, it's been great talk. And I think, yeah, people are gonna I appreciate launch you a having me, Bill. Thank reason. you. Yeah. I don't know if I, did I talk too much? I apologize. <laughs> that was great. Uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, my website is uh, jimwendler.com. Uh, got we put up articles, all the the gear and stuff, and the books, and then. I'm on Facebook, but I don't do anything on Facebook. I holy cow, what I think. <laughs> and uh, I do. Inst- I I'm probably a little more active on Instagram. I don't make a ton of posts, but if you have a question, I'll usually answer it as long as I remember to check the DMs and stuff. Um, and again, we have the private forum. And I'm telling you, it is. It's nice to have people accountable for what they say and everyone tries to help each other out. And I love that part. And that's, I couldn't, when I first had the vision for doing this, I never, imagined. this is what I wanted, but you know how that goes, right? You can wish in one hand and whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I never thought it would be as good as it was. And I'm super proud of the community that we built. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of younger guys. We have a lot of, you know, we probably have like 500 members now. Not everyone posts. You know, but we have, you know, it's, we have people from all over the, the world. You know, we have 70 year old guys. We have uh, 21 year old guys. We have a guy in a massive heavy metal band just joined. <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I'm a huge uh, heavy metal guy. So I was, I was like taken aback. I was like, wow. So a, a massive group of people with a lot of different, uh, and a lot of the older guys have a ton of experience that can help you out too. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll link to Jim in the description and thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. That's all for now, guys. Thanks for listening. I am available on a very limited basis for one-on-one coaching. I'm not cheap, but if you are really serious about taking your physique to the next level, DM me the word coaching on Instagram. For more science-based bodybuilding content, look up Dr. Swole on YouTube, and we'll see you next time.